You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. Jesus Christ is here today to meet you at the point of your need, and He's going to come here today to calm your storm. Whatever storm that you may be facing, I want to let you know that Jesus Christ can calm that storm. Whether you're watching us online right now, live, or if you're watching us through a replay, I want to let you know that Jesus Christ can calm your storm right now. It doesn't matter that you're not present in this sanctuary right now. If you believe Jesus Christ can touch you right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus Christ. Whatever the storm may be. And now I'm going to get into a little bit more seriousness some of us may have been facing storms of divorce or threat of divorce recently or your marriage is just not where it's supposed to be you are not quite agreeing with each other you're having issues with that or you may have been uh, struggling with an addiction relapsed into addictions recently or maybe you have found hard news about a loss in the family Maybe you have gotten news that you are diagnosed with a sickness or a family member is diagnosed with a sickness or maybe you have received heartbreak, maybe you have been treated unfairly, maybe you have been evicted, fired or whatever storm that you may be going through right now. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ says in his word that I will never leave you nor forsake you. When the Word of God says that, that means that He is present in your situation. I want to open a scripture for you and read for you really quick. Um, In the book of Matthew, chapter 8. And this is kind of a funny, funny situation. Jesus Christ goes into the boat with His disciples out on the sea. And the disciples are rowing and Jesus is chilling in the front of the boat and... Suddenly the waves begin to get bigger and the vicissitudes of life, the storms intensifies and, and the disciples begin to fear for their life and they say, oh man, what's Jesus doing? He's, he's sleeping in the boat. The storm is coming, the waves are coming into the boat and it feels as if there's no way out. And many of us might find ourselves in that kind of situation where there's storms in our life and we don't seem to see Jesus We don't seem to hear Jesus. We don't seem to feel Jesus. But the Bible says that whether you see him or you hear him or you feel him, Jesus Christ never left the boat. Jesus Christ was sleeping in the front of the boat. And the disciples said, oh no, the waves are going to overcome us. We're not going to be able to get through. Jesus Christ was there sleeping. Maybe you are here today and it feels as if Jesus Christ is sleeping in your boat. Why could Jesus Christ be sleeping in the boat? The reason why he could sleep in the boat is because he knew the outcome. Listen to that. Jesus Christ was sleeping in the boat because he knew the outcome. The reason we worry is because we do not know the outcome. But Jesus Christ knew that those waves, those storms and winds that are facing you, (laughs) you are more than them. You are not going to go under. Not as long as I'm staying in your boat. I may be here. You may not see me. You may not hear me. You may not feel me. But I'm right here. And the moment it's getting really close, I will stand up for you. 
have you ever heard about those exercise coaches that says that you know when you give it your all at the gym or when you do this Ironman uh, races and stuff that when you feel like you have come to the end of yourself you're about 40% to the actual maximum capability of your body how many have heard of that before that you feel like you can't give another ounce of energy and that's you're about at the 40% of what you can actually achieve so you can push yourself way more than what you think. The boat, the disciples, they were at 40%. And they were crying out and they say, God, where are you? I don't know what's going to happen. Jesus Christ was there and he wasn't talking to them. He wasn't showing off or anything. But the moment that he needed to, and listen to this. The moment that Jesus Christ needed to, he stood up and he silenced the storm. Jesus Christ will silence your storm today in Jesus' name. Whatever the storm you may be facing, He will silence your storm in Jesus' name. So this happened in Matthew 8. And after all, the storm was silenced and the disciples discovered and realized who Jesus was. Now there are two reasons why we may be facing a storm in our life. The first reason, as the disciples experienced in Matthew 8, they realized who Jesus was. Maybe your storm is for you to realize who Jesus really is in your life. Because when everything is cool and calm on the sea, you don't need his intervention. You can row by yourself. Sometimes storms come our way so that we will realize who he is in our life. And we cry out and we say, God, I don't know how I can handle it. And he says, just a little bit longer. Just push over 50% and I'm coming right there to set you free. I'm coming right there to break that chain in Jesus' mighty name. And so there's two reasons. The second reason is just a couple of days later, actually, in the book of Matthew 14. And this is kind of funny. In the book of Matthew 14, Jesus tells the disciples once again, Hey, can you get into a boat and, and go over to the other sea of the lake and other side of the lake and I'll meet you there? Now, if I was a disciple, I would be like, Jesus, really? Just a couple of days ago, we were almost sinking. And you were with us that time. If you were not there, what would have happened? And Jesus said, Don't worry, just go. I'll meet you on the other side. And what happened to the disciples? They set out, they obeyed him. And what happened? The same storm came again. The same wind came again. The same waves came again. And the disciples said, oh no, we're going to go under. We can't make it. What's going on? Jesus is not even in our boat anymore. And suddenly they saw him walking on top of the storm. You know, the second reason why you may be facing a storm in your life right now is for you to realize who you are. Peter sat in the boat and the storm was coming and he said we can't make it and then he saw Jesus out there and he said Jesus if I am who you say I am tell me to come to you on the storm and Jesus said you are who I say you are you have what I say you have and you can do what I say you can do take a step out of the boat right now and you will see that that storm cannot take you down the storm cannot bring you down. You will overcome. You will walk over the storm. And you shall be victorious in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Lord. He is the God of the storm. And either he's 
letting you through a storm for you to realize who he is or for you to realize who you are the bible says i've given you authority to trample on snakes and to scorpions to walk on the sea and through the waves and the wind and nothing shall by any means destroy you it will tempt you it will hurt you it will not destroy you it will break your heart it may hurt your soul it may hurt your spirit it cannot take your faith put your hands together for Jesus Christ Jesus is here right now I'm telling you you may not feel him you may not see him you may not hear him he's right there in the boat with you he's right there and if you don't see him in your boat he's right right outside on the water he wants you to take a step of faith and overcome that storm in the name of Jesus hallelujah I'm gonna talk about storms I'm gonna talk about situations that we may face that hurt us in our life and I want to take you to the book of Luke 10 and I'm gonna try to be fast fast enough to be able to get to the end on time but slow enough for you to really catch the point here the book of Luke 10 verse 30 how many of us have some kind of scars in our body marks in our body physical scars how many have scars how many don't have a single scar in your body nobody okay how many did not raise their hand in the first time and they didn't raise in the hand in the second time because you thought there were better options coming <laughs> one okay we'll see you after the service praise God and I, I'm gonna talk about internal wounds and how wounds hurt us and and what happens after a healing the title of the message is scarred for life scarred for life how many have a kind of scar that you're actually proud of how many have a scar that you're proud of there are people that have scars they're proud of ask any sports person they will tell you Christmas New Year every time they meet their family they'll be like hey look at this this was what cost us to win that match I scored the last point I hurt myself really bad but we won it <laughs> and then there are other scars that are even more they are so you are so proud of the scars that even other people boast of your scars is the kind of scars where I met a guy in Walmart he showed me a scar when he was defending our country in Vietnam or when he, we were fighting and he, he defended our people and our rights and our freedom those are the kind of scars that tell stories that you're proud of but you know that every single scar has a story attached to it some scars bring pride and joy and you're happy for them some scars bring shame and guilt they are signs of former lifestyles of bad habits of self-harm of addictions that you don't want people to know about there are other scars that are actually the combination between both kind of scars like for example when a woman gives birth and they, they you, she doesn't give birth naturally but she has to do a surgical incision and so those kind of scars they bring joy but couple of women I've, I've heard from they said that oh I wish I could just get rid of that mark and so on but it brings joy but they want they want that to be gone so every scar 
has a story behind it. It either brings pride and joy or it brings shame and guilt to your life. And, and we're going to dwell on this for just a moment because it's not only physical scars that do this. Internal scars do too. Internal wounds too leave a story for people to see in you and ask you, hey, what happened here? And it's up to you to say, oh, yeah, you know, nothing. Don't worry, it's not something I, I'm proud of. Or, or, yeah, this is what happened to me that time. You know, I, I, I have the sign to show it. That is why many people, they wear long sleeves in the physical. Because they may have scars that show them something that they don't want other people to see. And I think each and every one of us, we sometimes put on our spiritual long sleeve too, where we kind of hide those marks and those scars that we have been getting throughout our life. And that's what I want to talk about today, about the wounds and and scarring. So let's go to the book of Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Tell your neighbor, be a good Samaritan. Be a good Samaritan. Now, there are some similarities to internal wounds. So... Many of us have internal wounds and as I mentioned before, it can be people that have hurt you in the past. It can be a heartbreak from a former relationship. It can be the fact that you fall into weakness over and over again and that is causing a wound in your life. It can be intrusive thoughts. It can be that you lose your job. It can be that you lose your husband or your wife. It can be that your children are not following the path that you have set before them. There are many different kind of wounds and they come from everywhere around us. In fact, we don't always choose ourselves when we get hurt in life. If, If you take two people that walk here and then you put an obstacle here and you try to make them trip, to twist their ankle... What is it that determines who will fall and hurt themselves really bad and who may fall and not hurt themselves so bad? You don't know. It's not their fault. It's not always your fault when you get hurt from a situation. Many times you get hurt and you can't help it. But it's your responsibility to make sure that the wound is treated. So there are a couple of similarities that I want to bring up here. For those of us who are here today and we feel like we have open wounds, gashing wounds that are bleeding right now in our spirit, in our soul, in our emotions or in our mind. Jesus Christ wants to heal your wounds today. Whatever your situation may be, if you're watching us online or if you're here today and you have been through stuff. You know, they used to say, oh, I've been through stuff. If you've been through stuff and you have pain from those things, Jesus Christ wants to heal that pain today in Jesus' mighty name. The first thing that I noticed in this scripture was that when the man was stripped and wounded severely, he was on the roadside. 
Many times when you get hurt in life, you realize that you become a spectator of life. You feel as if you're no longer participating in the highway of life, the journey of life. People are passing by. People are changing jobs. People are changing spouses. People are getting promotions, getting children, getting houses. And you are on the side. And you feel like you're not part of that because you've been hurt. You can't help. You're on the side. And I'm not saying because I said that people are changing spouses. We as people of God, we don't do that. We don't do that. I could, I could kind of tell that someone are like, Changing spouses, how, how, how would we go about that in a scriptural manner? We don't. We don't. Praise God. So you are on the roadside. And, and many times you can't help but spectate what's going on in life. And the second thing that I noticed about people and this particular situation when he was hurt was that he couldn't treat his own wounds. He was lying down and he couldn't treat those wounds himself. He might have tried, but he couldn't because he needed two hands to be able to do that. And he wasn't able to do that by himself. Many times when we are hurt by heartbreaks and we feel isolated and separated and we feel like we don't belong on the road. This has happened to me. I've been hurt by myself. I've been hurt by other people and I don't belong over there. But you don't realize that if you don't reach out to receive help, those wounds will never heal. You can't do it yourself. As I said many times, you cannot decide if you get hurt or not. But you decide if you get healed or not. You have to make action to receive treatment for those wounds. It may be that you've been through this situation or that situation. People are here, right in this place. And they are ready to help to bandage your wounds. Don't go it all alone. You're not alone in this journey. We are here. We are brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And we are ready to come to help. Third thing that I noticed is that when the Samaritan man came up to him, he poured oil and wine in his wounds. So I did a little bit of research. And, and the wine was poured for the obvious reason. Today we use something different than wine, but it's for disinfectant. It was to clean out the wound of the dirt that have come from the ground. Because when you have an open wound and you get dirt in that wound, it won't heal. It will get infected. The wine in this scripture, I believe, represents the word of God. The word of God has a purifying power. The word of God has a sanctifying power. And the word of God can disinfect your wounds and clean out the dirt from them. If you don't fill yourself up with the word of God, your wounds can get cleaned out. What is the dirt that can be in your wounds? It can be shame. It can be guilt. It can be blaming others. The feeling of revenge. The feeling of isolation. I have an example for you. A boy and a girl are dating and the girl believes that this boy is serious and the boy gives an impression that he is and the girl opens up her heart to him because she wants to share the rest of her life with him and the boy seems to not treasure what she has done and drops that heart and breaks it and walks away and the girl is heartbroken she has a wound in her heart i did that i trusted him i expected to receive something back but that was not the case right there if she starts blaming him 
That wound will never heal. If you start blaming others for the hurt that you have received, you will never receive your healing. You have to drop that. And the only way that you can drop, you can't drop it by your own power and might. It's by word of God. The word of God, the more you read this, the more you learn to forgive and forget. There is no other way. The word of God is the wine that disinfects the wounds of your heart. Fill your heart with the word of God. And when the Samaritan man came, he poured wine into the wounds. That means if you come and you say, hey, I have this situation. I'm, I'm feeling hurt. I'm heartbroken. I'm struggling. We will pour the word of God into your wound. Trust me. That's, that's our number one cure. Why? Because it cleans it out. And when you pour out something disinfectant into a wound, what happens? It stings. It hurts. It burns for a minute. You'll be like, no, I'm not going to do that. I can't just can't just forgive it will hurt but afterwards the healing process can start and you keep applying it and the healing process will keep going secondly he poured oil in his wounds so the purpose of the oil is to keep the wound clean of of contamination to cover it so that no future dirt can come into the wound and to speed up the healing process. I believe that the oil is the presence of God. Without the presence of God, you cannot speed up the process of your inward healing. The oil is there to cover your wound. So you need to seek the physical and tangible presence of God. You need that to speed up your healing and to keep your wound protected until it's fully healed. The oil is the presence of God. You need the word and you need the presence. The tangible presence of God. Do you know a place that the presence of God is really tangible? Right here. You know when it's extra tangible? Between 5 and 7 in the morning. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You're laughing. Try it. When the flesh, because the flesh hasn't quite woken up yet... So your spirit is more receptive because the flesh is not blocking. Hallelujah. It's the truth. If you're looking for the tangible presence of God right here, right in your life group, you will have people pouring the oil into your wounds to cover them so that you can receive your healing in Jesus' mighty name. It's not your fault that you're hurt. It's not. The last thing that I discovered when it comes to this example here is the fact that time doesn't heal wounds don't heal over time how many have heard that time heals all wounds I don't believe that time doesn't heal any wound it has no healing properties time only amplifies your current situation if you have treated your wound time will amplify that and heal your wound but if your wound is full of dirt time will actually make it worse so if you keep dirt in your wound and you believe that time is going to heal it, if I just keep doing my thing, I'm going to get over that guy. I'm going to get over that girl. I'm going to be able to get over that situation. What they said or what they did to me, it will get better. It won't. In fact, those of us that have the experience of not cleaning out the wound immediately, you'll discover that it gets so far that the only thing you can think about is that wound. 
because he's infected. And you're like, oh no, they offended me. How am I going to get out of this? It's going to be awkward when I talk to them. It's going to be this situation. I can't go out. I can't see people. They all know. Everyone knows what's going on. I have to seclude myself. I have to isolate myself. And time will work against you. Because time has no healing properties. Treat your wound and time will heal it. Leave it untreated and time will infect it even more. I lived in, in Africa for many years and I saw wounds there. Those of us that have been to the same church that I was in, we saw wounds. Big old nasty wounds. I'm talking, I'm not going to go too graphic, but big ones, different kinds, big wounds. <laughs> and, and those wounds, I always question, and many of the disciples would question and say, okay, this person received healing from this wound. Now we're talking physical wounds. I'm using it as a parable to your inner wounds. This person received a healing from that huge wound that they have in their leg. And then they come to church and they're still walking with a little bit of pain. And there's a big old nasty scar here on the leg. And I'll be like, why are they so happy? The scar is still there. Why, why, God, why did you leave such a big nasty scar where the wound once was? And it's the same with us when it comes to internal wounds, we want God Almighty to heal the wound, remove the scar, and remove the existence of the memory of that wound. But you know what? In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, someone had scars. I'm going to tell you, David. Ooh, I like David a lot. He, he, he was a tough guy. David came up to Saul. And they had been looking for someone to defeat the giant Goliath. They had been uh, harassing and, and making jests of the people of God and their God. And David said and came up and said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Let me have a get at, go at him and I'll, I'll take him down. And Saul said, Excuse me? You're a young boy. Who, who are you? You know what David did? He didn't just say, Yeah, you know, I killed a lion in the past. So I'm qualified. No. This is what he did. He opened his shirt and he said, look here. I have the signs in my body that I fought a lion and I overcame. Many people don't think about it. Do you think that David faced a lion with his bare hands and that he didn't have the marks to show it? He was marked by that situation. He had scars to show and he showed them to Saul and he said, see, I fought a lion. And I fought a bear. That giant will be nothing different from what I've faced in the past. Your scars testify for you. Don't be ashamed of your history. Don't be ashamed of where you're coming from. Those scars, we put your name on the map. Put your hands together for Jesus Christ. have the marks in his body what is his word what is his word to a king you are a small little boy can, can you go back to your daddy and mommy no he had the marks to show I may be small but I have overcome your mark your scars that you are having in your life 
in your memory, in your soul and in your emotions. They may be a little tender to the touch. It doesn't mean that they have not been healed. You may not be completely gone. The scar will not be completely gone. And you say, God, I still have this ugly mark from what I've been through. But if not for that mark, who will you tell your story to? And they will receive a blessing. Your scars are for a purpose. When you are scarred and you say, I've been through stuff. Yeah, it's for other people's sake. It's not just for your own sake. That is the reason why. God Almighty doesn't heal those wounds so that there's no even a scar left after a huge wound. Who would believe? You tell people, I once had a huge open wound on my leg and now I'm healed. And there's not a single mark. They'll be like, oh yeah, right. And Santa Claus is coming to town. It's the same thing. It's imagination. We are living in a generation where you can do almost anything with computer editing. Your scars are there for a reason whatever scars and situations you may be facing I want to let you know that they are for a reason finally and I'm com coming to an end here how many know that that uh, the, the devil knows the Bible how many know that the devil knows the Bible how many believe that the devil knows the Bible maybe even better than you why? Why does he know the Bible? Why does he read the Bible? Because he knows this is the easiest way to mislead the people of God. If he knows it better, he can use it out of context to cause you to fall. What did he do to Jesus? He did nothing than to quote scripture. Since he uses scripture to tempt us, what we need to do in order to overcome his attacks and his temptations is to know it better. I'm telling you, the word of God, you cannot survive without it. The word of God, the Bible says, is a sword of the spirit where we fend off our enemies. I would like to, that's scriptural, but in order of bringing it to more practical view of it, the word of God is our fly's water where we fend off those annoying mosquitoes and flies in our life because that's what they are. You're reading a book, you're watching a, a, something that you want to do, you're focusing and then comes the flies to distract you. You use the spoken word of God, your flies water, to rebuke those flies and send them back to where they came from. But the word of God has two, two purposes, dual purposes. The first is the spoken word of God. It's the one that you use every day. If you have a fly's water at home and you store it on your shelf, is it going to defeat the flies? If you sleep with it under your pillow, is the flies going to fear you? They are not. You have to take it up and use it every day and smack them back to where they came from. And say, oh, you, what did you tell me? Oh, the word of God tells me this. But that's not all. It's also... A repellent it's like an insect repellent when you go to a mosquito zone for for vacation and you're spending time there and and you don't want to walk around with the flies water constantly what do you do you apply insect repellent in the morning you apply it midday before lunch and you apply it before you go to bed so that they won't come and suck your blood in the night the Word of God when you read it becomes an insect repellent. It strengthens your immune system so that you can resist all those flies. They won't even come near to you because they know, oh, if I go there, I'm in trouble. That's the Word of God for you. That's the Word of God. We read it 
and we speak it. One without the other is not complete. Bring it down to my conclusion right now. As I said, the Word of God, the devil knows it more than, more than many of us. So we need to educate ourselves to know it better than him. And I want to bring up a, a particular situation that I feel is, I hope it's going to touch someone here. The, the devil uses, who, who knows what it says in 1 Timothy 3 verse 5. 1 Timothy 3 verse 5. I'm going to read it for you really quick. This is one of the most common strategies that the devil uses to attack us as people of God. 1 Timothy 3 verse 5. For a man does not know how to take rule of his own house. How will he take care of the church of God? There is no pastor. There is no leader in ministry that have not been tempted by that scripture. When their kids are rebellious. When their kids don't do as you say. That scripture pops up. You know why? The devil uses the Bible. It's a strategy. Many of us are here today. And we may be hurt. We may be in a weak moment. We'll be facing hardship. Situations that is beyond our control. The devil will always use what area you're called in to tempt you. Someone says that they're in healing ministry, yet they are sick. It's the most common temptation of the devil. He doesn't even need to speak to you every day when you feel the sickness, you're reminded that, oh, I'm in healing ministry, yet I'm sick. Someone has a desire to be in deliverance, yet someone at home is struggling with severe mental problems or demonic attacks. And the more you pray, it seems as if it's not working. The devil is telling you, <laughs> heal yourself first. Take care of your family first. You can't work for God. Deliver your family first. I want to tell you something. You know what the devil told Jesus on the cross? He told Jesus, you call yourself a savior, save yourself. You call yourself a minister of God, take care of your own family first. You say you want to be an example in purity, be pure first. You say you want to deliver others, deliver others first. With my wife's permission, I'm going to use her as a quick example. She feels that she has a calling in, in for ladies to find their identity in Christ and who they really are in Christ. Yet, many times she's insecure in that area. Why? Get secure first. Heal yourself first. The devil told Jesus on the cross, save yourself first. You know what Jesus did? He said, your time is coming. Not right now, but your time is coming. If Jesus would have saved himself, on that cross he would have missed his defining moment if you escape that sickness even though you call yourself a healer you will miss that defining moment let me tell you it wasn't Jesus words that made him a savior it was his scars it wasn't because he was eloquent it was the nails that they pierced in his hands I want to tell you today don't be afraid of your struggle embrace it because Jesus Christ is about to take you to your defining moment in Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Hungry Generation. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat by using at HungryGen. Stay blessed, and we'll see you next week.